learning about the power of our words in the face of the most devastating realities in life. This message is the seventh in the series, Rudders and Roots. The message is entitled, Speaking Life, Part One. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets. We're going to continue our series together entitled Change Your Words, Change Your Life. We're talking about the importance of your words and looking at the power of how you speak in agreement with God, the importance of learning how to learn the language of heaven. Unfortunately, I think all too often we actually sabotage our lives instead of create blessing in our lives just simply by the words that we speak. When you make statements over your life like, I can't, I won't, it's impossible. These kind of statements oftentimes get us into trouble when God wants us to learn a different kind of language, the language of faith. And the Bible is very clear that it's our choice. We get to choose what we will speak, learning to speak in consistency with God's Word and in a way that helps us to infuse life. And I want to talk to us this weekend and next weekend about speaking life into your life, speaking life over your life, speaking life into your family, speaking life into the circumstances that you're experiencing, that you're walking through. And for our focus point for this uh, theme together, speaking life, I want to draw your attention to Ezekiel chapter 37, to a passage of Scripture that is extremely important to understand. I'm going to give you some of the history of it in just a moment, but I want you to listen as I read verses 1 through 10 of Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel says, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. He was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy or speak to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, or I spoke as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, speaking forth God's word. So as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy or speak to the breath, or to the wind, another translation says, prophesy, speak, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, I spoke God's word as he commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. A tremendous passage from Scripture. To understand this passage of Scripture, I need to give you a little bit of history. Everybody ready for a history lesson today? I love the history of the Bible. I love history in general, but I love the history of the Bible. And so to understand uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, we need to get a little bit of frame of reference of when this happened in time and history and what was being spoken here specifically and then the application to our lives. I'll start by giving you an understanding during biblical times, at least particularly the Old Testament, moving into the New Testament, there were four basic kingdoms that ruled that impacted Israel. It was the kingdom of Egypt. We all recognize that kingdom because that was the kingdom that, from which they came as slaves. So it was the Egyptian kingdom. And then eventually there came the Assyrian kingdom. And then from the Assyrian kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom. And following the Babylonian kingdom, there was the Greek kingdom. And the Greek kingdom, you might recognize the name Alexander the Great. And that was a part of that season, that period of his kingdom rule and reign. And then following the Greeks, there were the Romans. And so these are the five basic kingdoms that impacted the Bible times as we read it. When we come to today's passage, Ezekiel 37, it happens during a very particular time in this history. 
It was a time when actually the kingdom of Israel had been divided. After David was king, he turned over the reign of his kingdom to Solomon, his son. And then when Solomon died, there was a split of the kingdom. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and Jeroboam split the kingdom. The reason was because Rehoboam uh, promised to make life even harder than his dad had made it in terms of taxes and so forth. And so Jeroboam rebelled against Rehoboam, and there was this division in the kingdom. And so now you would have a northern kingdom of ten tribes and a southern kingdom of two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. And it's referred to in the Bible as the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern tribe of Israel. And so you have this division of the kingdom. Jeroboam goes into the north, and he takes these ten tribes with him. He was very concerned that these ten tribes would remain loyal to him, and so he made sure that they never went back to Jerusalem again, and so they actually established two places of worship in the northern kingdom, a place, an altar in Dan, and an altar in Bethel. If you travel with me to Israel, I will actually take you to one of the altars in Dan where Jeroboam actually had a golden calf there that the people worshipped, and so it was indicative of the fact that the northern kingdom very quickly went into idolatry. And so God told him over and over again, if you don't change your ways, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to end up being captured by the Assyrians. And they never listened to the prophets. And so in 722 BC, the Assyrians captured the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom continued for a period of time, but they stayed in the ways of idolatry as well. And it's during this period of time that Ezekiel comes on the scene. Ezekiel is living during the time when the, when the Assyrians have now captured the northern kingdom. So there is no northern kingdom. There is no Israel anymore because Assyria has scattered them throughout the world, dispersed them in various places to weaken them as a people. And so they no longer exist. And now here is Ezekiel living in the time of the latter years of the southern kingdom because God told the southern kingdom, if you don't listen to me and change your ways and, and repent of your idolatry, you're going to have the same kind of fate as the northern kingdom, except it's now going to be Babylon that will capture you. You'll go into captivity for 70 years, but they did not listen. And so eventually what happened was there was this period of time when there was the invasion of a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar in 597 BC. And Nebuchadnezzar comes down in Jerusalem, takes 10,000 people of Judah captive and takes them away up into Babylon. And Ezekiel is one of those individuals. And about 11 years later, Nebuchadnezzar comes back into Jerusalem and completely devastates the city, burns it down, destroys the temple. And so now you see there is no Israel anymore. The 10 tribes have been dispersed. The two tribes of Judah and Benjamin are no more. They've been taken into captivity as well. And Ezekiel is living in Babylon during this period of time, grieving over the loss of his nation. And as he's grieving over the loss of his nation, by the way, is everybody with me on the history so far? Do I need to go back and repeat everything again? Okay. Get the CD, amen, or go back and download it. Get the history there for you. Very important to understand this. And so here is Ezekiel. He's looking at a situation where there's absolutely, there's no nation anymore. It doesn't exist. That which had been, there was no temple anymore. It was completely destroyed. And so from the standpoint of Ezekiel, he thought the nation of Israel, both northern and southern kingdoms, would never, ever exist again. It was in this context that God shows Ezekiel a vision. And this, in this vision, Ezekiel is taken by God, by the Holy Spirit, into this, this place, this visionary place that God gives him to speak to him prophetically. And he shows him a valley filled up with 
bones, dry bones. Dry bones represents the fact that they were, they were not only dispersed and sort of random in this valley, but they had been scorched by and dried up by the Middle Eastern sun. If you've ever been to the Middle East, you understand the tremendous intensity of the sun that beats down in the desert. And so they'd been scorched by the desert. And God asked Ezekiel this question, can these bones live and then we see the story as it unfolds. Eventually, these bones come back to life again. And it was a story, really, of God telling Ezekiel that what you see as a nation, this, this, this nation of Israel, northern and southern kingdom that have been destroyed, they are going to come back to life again. There's going to be hope for the future. What is dead is going to be resurrected. What has gone away is now going to come back again. I have a plan for Israel's future. I'm so happy to be able to stand here today and say God did what he said he was going to do because Israel exists today as a nation, right? So what had been dead and destroyed by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians now, God is saying, I'm going to bring this back to life. I'm going to do something that will be a miracle. What is dead and absolutely no hope for, I'm going to do a miracle for you. I'm going to show you that that hope is not lost, that there's a future, there's a plan. And so there's this great story that you see of Ezekiel receiving this prophetic utterance from God, but there's an application for it for our lives. Because every prophecy in the Scripture, although it has implications for its time in history, there's also implications for us as well. There are applications for our lives as well. And so this weekend and next weekend, I'm going to talk about some of these applications. So today is sort of installment number one in understanding some of these applications for our lives. You want to be back next weekend because we're going to continue in the same chapter of Ezekiel 37 to understand a few more things about it. But today I'm going to give you two things. Think you remember two things, right? Just two things. Just two things today. I want you to remember that applies to your life from this story. Number one, you need to understand that in life, we all experience death. Simple statement, but in life, we experience death. Death is a part of the life experience. Part of life involves dealing with death. Every one of us here at some point in time have had to deal with death. Not only physical deaths, maybe the death of a loved one, someone that was close to you, a friend, a family member, you've dealt with death before. We all understand something about that. But death goes beyond just death of the physical dimension. There are other kinds of things that can die in your life. And here is Ezekiel in this story who saw this valley fill with dry bones. And although it represented the 12 tribes of Israel having died out, its application to us is the fact that there are things that can die in our lives as well. There are things in your life and my life that can come to an end and not just come to an end in the sense of, well, we think it's kind of on its last leg, but no, come to the end in the sense that it's, it, there's no possibility from a human perspective of it ever coming back to life again. If you came upon an accident scene on the highway and you saw a person lying beside the road and you jumped out of your car, you would still have hope when you saw that person lying there that somehow maybe you could do something to help them come back to life again. Maybe they still are holding on to life and you could intervene in some way. But if you got out of your car and discovered a skeleton there, you would have no hope for its resurrection, right? And so here's the situation I want you to see. I'm not talking today about things that are sort of on their last leg or things that are hurting or things that are diseased or somehow broken in your life. I'm talking about things that are dead in your life. Sometimes you experience dead things in your life. For some of you here today, your deadness is a relationship with God. You have no relationship with God. Your relationship with God is dead. There's no life, no spiritual life within you. You've never experienced the life of Jesus coming inside your soul and spirit and bringing life to you on the inside. And so your relationship with God is dead. There is no relationship that exists. 
For others of you, you've had situations in your life where you've had dreams and hopes and desires, and you thought they were going to become reality, but now you look at them and they're absolutely dead. There's no hope that they will ever come back again. For some of you, you've had opportunities that you missed along the way because of maybe some rebellion on your part or disobedience or lack of understanding of that opportune moment that came your way, and you missed it. It's gone now. It is dead. It's not going to come back again from a human perspective. For some of you, you have dead relationships. It might be a marriage. It might be a friendship. It might be a connection with another person. You had a vital living relationship and meaningful relationship with that person at some point in time, but now it is dead. There is no hope that will ever come back to life again. We could go on and on about the different kinds of death that we experience, but what I want you to see today is this. You and I have to acknowledge death before there can be life. It was only when Ezekiel acknowledged this valley is full of dead, dry bones. It was only the moment that he acknowledged the reality of what he saw that, yes, the 10 tribes, the 12 tribes, I should say, of Israel have now gone. There's no hope from a human perspective of this ever being put back together again. I'm acknowledging the reality of death. And only when you acknowledge the reality of death can you have any hope of the resurrection power of life. So there's this moment that you and I need to own up to and acknowledge and become aware of what's dead in my life. And I would ask you this morning, what's dead in your life? What's dead in your life? Is it a dead relationship with God? The Apostle Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me take you to that, that passage. And this is a condition that all of us have when we're born into the world. We're dead to God. We're dead because of sin and transgressions. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, as for you, you were dead. Notice that, not just hurting, you were what? not just diseased, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our, our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Romans 5, 12 there says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, death through sin, and in this way, death came to what? Not just a few people, but what? All people, because all have sinned. The Bible teaches us that when we enter into the world, we enter into the world living physically, but dead spiritually. We're walking dead men and women. And for you today, that might be where you are. Maybe there's someone here this morning that where you are in your life, you have, you're, you're dead to God. There's no relationship with God, that you're still dead in your sin, your transgression. You never experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe... In your life today, maybe it's a dead dream that is gone. You had that hope and dream for your life, but it's died, and you've kind of buried that thing and said, you know what, I don't think it's ever going to happen for my life. For some of you, again, as I said, it might be a relationship. It might be an opportunity. It might be emotions that have died in your life. I don't know what it is today, but the beginning point is that in life, we experience death. Some of you, all of us here today, have had dead things happen to us, things that have destroyed and killed things in our lives. And again, until you acknowledge what is dead in your life, you can't expect God to bring about a resurrection because you have to start by looking at the valley of dry bones. What is your valley of dry bones this morning? What are you looking at in your life? And there's absolutely no hope left that it could ever come back to life again. So in life, we experience death, and it's extremely important that we acknowledge the death that we experience so that there can be hope for the future and that's the second thing I want to share with you today. And this is where I really want to spend the bulk of my time in bringing this message to its, really, its, its, its focal point. God calls us to change our focus from death to life. 
Once you've acknowledged death, God calls you to then turn your focus away from the death to the possibility of life. Because if you continually stare at death, what do you experience? If all you can see is death around you, you're going to be discouraged and defeated. There's no hope for your future. And so that's how we get depressed oftentimes. We're only looking at the things that we've lost in life, the things that have been taken away from us, the things that we don't have anymore. And so we stare at this stuff, and before long, we're discouraged, and we're in despair. We've lost our hope. But at some point, you've got to get your eyes off of the death and onto life again. Back to a reality, and that's exactly what happened with God's vision to Ezekiel. Go back with me now in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 3. Here is Ezekiel looking at this valley of dry bones. He's acknowledging this is an impossibility. This is not anything that I can do anything about. The nation of Israel now is, is no more. It's been scattered all over the place. It's a bunch of dry bones, and there's nothing I can do about it. But in the midst of this, God speaks to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, verse number 3, he, God, asked me Son of man, can these bones, what, live? He's turning his attention away from death back to life. Can these bones live? And notice Ezekiel's response. What did he say? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Interesting statement. So God's question was designed to instill in Ezekiel the possibility that what was dead can come back to life again. I hope that today in this message that even now as I'm speaking that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and as you've identified maybe some dead things in your life that you said, you know what, it's just like a valley of dry bones. I hope that you'll listen to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit this morning asking you, can these bones live? Turning your attention away from what is dead to the possibility of life again. Yes, there's the possibility of a dream that has died coming back to life. There's the possibility of a relationship that is dead coming back to life again. There's a possibility of opportunities that have been missed coming back to you again. There's the possibility of emotions that you've lost and died to being restored back to life again. But you have to come to this place, as Ezekiel did, of letting God turn your attention away from the valley of dry bones to the possibility of a God who is the living God, the God who's bring, who, who brings life to the dead. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel's response shows his, his struggle with this. It shows his turning point. And he says, God, only you know, sovereign Lord, only you know whether these bones can live again. Interesting phrase that Ezekiel uses there, sovereign Lord. In the Hebrew language, the word for sovereign literally means that which has supreme authority and power. So, God, you're the God of supreme authority and you're the God of supreme power. And he says, sovereign Lord, the word for Lord that is used there, that Ezekiel used in that passage, is one that you might be familiar with. It is the word Yahweh or the word Jehovah. It is the I am that I am. Sovereign, supreme God, the one who is the I am that I am, only you know. The I am that I am takes us back to... to to Moses because Moses had that moment at the burning bush when, when God called him to speak to the people of Israel, to the, to the Hebrews as well as to the Pharaoh of Egypt and tell them to let God's people go. And, and Moses says, who will I say sent me? And God says, tell him the I am that I am sent you. Jesus used this phrase repeatedly during his ministry, seven I am's that Jesus spoke of. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, 
I am Jehovah, I am Yahweh. I want you to know today that the same Jesus that spoke those words over 2,000 years ago is alive today. And when he says, I can do this in your life, I can take the death and I can turn it to life again, there's the confidence that rises in us to have faith in him, to believe that he can do those kinds of things in our life. So as you look at, as you look at the dead areas in your life, God asks you the question today, can these bones live? And your response needs to be the same as Ezekiel's sovereign Lord. You're the God of supreme authority and power, and you are the I am that I am. Only you know, and what you're doing in that moment is you're inviting God into the picture. He doesn't want you staring at death without the hope of restored life. So I'm going to help you today to bring this into a practical dimension of your life. Okay? I'm going to give you four things that this, I think, practically applies to in each of our lives. And the first thing is this. How do you move from death to life? That's the question. How do you move from death to life? First point is when you acknowledge your spiritual deadness, you see that valley of dry bones spiritually, God wants you to know the po- that there's possibility of spiritual life. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us, what's the next word? What does it say? made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, notice this, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Although it's not on your notes, notice from the screen, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with, with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Here's what I want you to see today. If you have a dead relationship with God, I want you to know that you don't have to stay in a dead relationship with God. There's a way to have a living relationship with God. And for all of us here today who know Jesus, we can look back on that time in your life. Do you remember in your own life when you were dead and your own transgressions and sins? You had no interest in God at all. You had no interest in the things of God. You were living your life your way, and then the Holy Spirit began to work on you and convince you of your need for God. There came that moment when you opened your heart to Jesus Christ. You invited Him to be your Savior and Lord. You confessed Him with your mouth, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and that moment of faith transformed you, and you're a different person today than you were that point in time in your life because then you were dead. Now you're alive, okay? So what looked like a valley of dry bones spiritually now has become a living relationship with God that you never dreamed possible. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. You're growing in that, but you're a different person, and you're continuing to be different each day that you walk with Jesus. What was dead comes to life in Christ. So I would say to you this morning, if you have a dead relationship with God, don't live, don't continue to physically live and still be spiritually dead. Come to faith in Christ. Give your life to Him. Turn your heart over to Him. Confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And I promise you that even when you're dead in your transgressions and sins, Jesus will enter into you and life will become a reality for you. But you can't even experience the reality of God until you open your heart and life to the saving power of Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. But if you're dead, you can have life spiritually. The second thing I want you to note today is this. When you consider your own physical death, God wants you to think about the possibility of eternal life. 
as a believer in Jesus Christ, we all have to think about the fact that one day we're, we're going to be gone from this life. This life is not all there is, by the way. You remember that, right? And none of us know when we're going to die. There's not a single one of us here that can predict our death. The Bible says it's appointed a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Appointed, you have an appointment with death. Every person here, you have an appointment I promise you will keep. You may be late to all the other appointments, but there's a prompt, there is an appointment you're going to keep, okay? It's appointed and a man wants to die. So unless Jesus comes back again, we're going to read about that in a moment, I promise you, all of you here, every one of us, we have an appointment with death. And so oftentimes what we struggle with is what happens at that moment? What will happen to me for my future? I know that I believed in Christ, but, but can I be sure that I'm going to heaven? I don't know how many believers I've talked to who still have this mentality of I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. or I'm not sure I've been good enough to go to heaven. Let me tell you something. You don't get to heaven by how good you are. You get to heaven by how good Jesus is. Amen? So this is important to understand. It is not by works of righteousness that we do that we earn our salvation. You could never be good enough to get to heaven. You think you can be as good as God? No way. Absolutely impossible. And that's what is what is required to get into heaven on your own works. But Jesus came, and there was no sin in him. And what, when we put our faith in Christ, he gives to us the benefit of his righteousness because he took the penalty for our sin. And so we have this confidence, this assurance, this, this very confident reality that because we know Christ, we know where we're going when we die. We are no longer afraid of death. And I want you today to have that awareness in your life that you no longer have to be afraid of that moment when your last breath will come. When will it happen? I don't know. You don't know when it will happen. But I promise you it will be a glorious moment when you'll be transformed from this life into eternity in the presence of God. It will be a glorious moment. You need not fear death, okay? The Bible says through Christ the sting of death has been robbed. It's been taken away. Let me take you to some scriptures here this morning. Jesus spoke these words. Actually, let me read first of you, Romans 6, 23, and then I'll read the words of John, the apostle to you, and then we'll look at some of the Jesus words again in just a moment. Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. First John 5, 13, the apostle John writes and says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's stop right there. How many of you today would just raise your hand and say, I believe in the name of the Son of God. Do you believe in his name this morning? Have you believed in his name for salvation? Come on. Do you believe in that today? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may wonder about you may consider the possibility of, no, so that you may know that you, what, have eternal life. That's why it is so important that you have a relationship with God in Christ so that you no longer need to fear death. I want you to declare it with me today. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and declare it with affirmation, with strength, I have eternal life. Let's say it together. I have eternal life. Come on, say it again. I have eternal life. I'm not hoping I get eternal life. I have eternal life because of what Christ did for me. And so I've moved from the valley of dry bones that death no longer has a sting for me. Let's go to the third point today. Third thing that we see in this passage, when you look at, the, at a loved one who has physically died in Christ, God wants you to consider that it's not the end. There's a great reunion day coming. Can I have a hallelujah right there, okay? Because all of us have had loved ones who've gone before us. They've died and passed away, and sometimes that leaves a tremendous hole in our lives. 
tremendous pain that happens when someone that we love passes from this life to the next and they're no longer with us. They're no longer around from the standpoint of physically being present with us. But if they, know, if they knew Jesus Christ, you've got to understand that that wasn't the end for them either, okay? That wasn't the end for them either. There is a great reunion day coming. You will see them again. Just it'll simply be in a different environment, amen, okay? You'll see them again, but it's going to be in a different place. Notice now what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he's going to die and helping them to understand death at some level. He says, Don't let, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Jesus said, you've got to understand something. Yes, death is a reality. Physical death is a reality, but it's not the end. I've gone to prepare. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's there in my father's house are many mansions, many rooms. I'm preparing a place for you and I'll come back and receive you into myself that where I am there you may be also. You must understand, dear one, today if you've had a, 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 a husband, a wife, a friend, a, a, a family member, a son, a daughter, a mom or a dad who knew Jesus, who've gone on to faith, gone on in death before you, you need to know that, that, that they're in a place where a mansion has been prepared for them. They're in a place awaiting your arrival. They're in a place waiting for you to again have a glorious amazing reunion that will happen that the Bible promises us it is the fact that no we no longer live in the death we now have stepped over into the life amen notice what the scripture says here next in 1 Thessalonians 4 I want this to get deeply in your heart today verses 13 through 18 and now dear brothers and sisters so he's talking to us we want you to know we want you to know you got to know this what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope? Let me stop there for a moment. If you lose a loved one, you're going to grieve. Grief is, is a part of the process. It's not abnormal and it's not inappropriate for a Christian to grieve. Grieving is a valuable part of life. It brings healing to us. But as believers, we don't grieve without hope. We grieve with hope, okay? We might grieve because we've lost them, but we grieve with a sense of hope that we're going to see them again. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who've died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Notice verse 18. Read it with me. So, encourage each other with these words. That is, in the face of the reality of death, we still have an encouragement. The encouragement is that we're going to be together again for eternity. We're going to see our loved ones again, that death was not the end for them. It is not the end for us as believers in Christ. The last thing I'd like to bring to your attention today, I want you to read the fourth one together with me as we are looking at this application of this valley of dry bones and God speaking about the dry bones living again. The fourth application, let's read it aloud and loudly at all of our campuses. Are you ready? Here we go. When you look at anything in your life that has death written on it, anything that sin or Satan has killed or destroyed, remember God wants you to consider the possibility of his life-giving power invading it. 
I'm going to pause there for a moment and let it just sit right there, okay? Let's go back and read it again. Are you ready? Now, let's read it with comprehension. Let's read it understanding it. Here we go. When you look at anything in your life that has death written on it, anything that sin or Satan has killed or destroyed. Time out, okay? When you're looking at your life right now and you say, I see some death in my life. There's a dead relationship. There's some dead dreams and hopes. There's some dead whatever. You fill in the blank. Anything that has dead written over it. Anything in your life right now that has dead written over it. Maybe it's dead because of some of your own sin. Maybe you, by reason of your rebellion or sin against God, you, you, you cause some of that death in your life. Maybe it's dead because of sinful circumstances or just the broken world that we live in. But, but anything that you look at in your life right now that has D-E-A-D D, written over it. Anything in your life that you look, you stare, it's like a big t-shirt that says dead. Anything in your life that has death written on it, let's continue on. God wants you to, read with me, God wants you to consider the possibility of his life-giving power invading. Are you getting that this morning? So you got anything in your life that has D-E-A-D on it, okay? What I want you to sense, more importantly, what God wants you to sense from his, his word and his spirit today is God wants you to begin to sense that, you know what, although it says D-E-A-D, although it says death written on it, in my life, I don't think it would ever come back to life. It's a valley of dry bones, and the sun has scorched it, and it's scattered all over the place. I don't think that could ever come back to life again. I want you today to start considering the possibility, based upon God's word, that what is dead can come back to life again. Okay. Are you hearing me? Because from Ezekiel's standpoint, those bones could never live. Oh, 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 God, sovereign Lord, only you know. But what happens by the end of the story is that all those dead bones rise up to become a vast army again. God is able to infuse death with resurrection power in life. Okay. John chapter 10, verse 10. Words of Jesus once again. The thief, talking about the devil, comes to do what? Steal, do what? Kill and destroy. Okay. Jesus said, you've got to understand the devil. He likes to come into your life and steal from you, take things that ought to belong to you, but he takes it away, kills, puts to death, and destroys. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You've got to hear what Jesus said. The devil comes to steal from you, but I can restore everything the enemy steals. I'm going to skip over the kill part and go to the destroy, and I'll come back to the kill in a moment. The devil comes to steal. Jesus said, I can restore the devil comes to destroy. Jesus said, I can rebuild. Are you hearing me? I hope you're hearing this today. The devil comes to steal. Jesus says, I can restore. The devil comes to destroy. Jesus said, I can rebuild. And the devil comes to kill. And Jesus said, I can resurrect. Okay. 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 You got it? Okay. It's important. What the devil steals from you Jesus is able to restore to you what the devil destroys in your life. Jesus is able to rebuild. And what the enemy has killed in your life, Jesus is able to resurrect. You've got to grab hold of that reality in your life that, yes, in the face of death, I'm not going to continue to stare at death. I'm going to reach out and grab hold of life. Amen? Anything in me that has D-E-A-D written across it, I'm going to let Jesus erase that, that, that picture, erase that, that on my T-shirt, and instead of the D-E-A-D, I'm going to let him print out L-I-F-E, amen, okay? Life is going to be, I'm not going to live in the dead, I have life, amen? So the Valley of Dry Bones, it was a story that helped Ezekiel to 
to process what he was going through and the grieving of the loss of a nation and a reminder that God was not finished with Israel. And today as we look at that story, it's a reminder from God to you that God's not finished with you either. Whatever's been killed in your life, whatever you feel like has been a death blow to your life, Jesus says, no, it's not over for you. I'm going to take the D-E-A-D, I'm going to erase it and put an L-I-F-E over that in your life. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're so grateful for the opportunity we've had to study. We ask you to take this message. Let it be far more than just informational. We do pray it would be transformational in our lives. We ask you, come Holy Spirit and help us, Father, to, to understand this at a level that changes and transforms the way we live, transforms our lives and our mindsets, our perspectives, the way we think, the way we live our lives. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.